You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 147. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here. Let's talk about studying. Boom, 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 bing. Studying. I know. I know. It could be something that some of us had to do a ton to get through high school. It could be something that some of us didn't have to do much at all when we were in high school. But college is a different beast. And for most of us, we are pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone while we're in college to learn things that we desire in order to have the life and the lifestyle that we desire. And your habits that you're building around your studying will become the habits that you build up around the way you work, the way you prepare for work, the way that you handle your work tasks, right? It's like learning how to write a good paper is going to be something that you're going to want to make sure you learn because one day you're going to have to write professional emails. You're going to have to write up a a report that's going to, you know, need a cover sheet. Do you have your cover sheet on your TPS reports, Peter? Right, like the professionalism in the workplace can often be dictated by other people's perception of your written word. So when you think about studying, right, it could be like I'm just gonna cram a bunch of information in my head, which certainly has its merits. It certainly works. Oftentimes in college, you'll learn things, then you go out in the real world, and it's like you sort of kind of needed to know that, but it wasn't like you were being quizzed on it in the middle of a meeting. Like if something pops up, you can hop onto Google, you can jump over to YouTube, and you can learn it real quick, and then just go do it. So the way that work. Um, work habits, the way that work professionalism, the way that work knowledge needed to be, you know, presented to the team, to the boss. It's very different now than it was back in the day. But it still comes down to your ability to prepare and then act upon the preparation. So whenever you're going and you're studying, when you're going to write your papers, you can start to look at this and say, is this really going to be beneficial for the way I want to be an employee in the future or I want to be a boss? There is a misperception that we do our best work when our backs are against the wall. I definitely thought starting my paper three days before it was due was an excellent way, right? Push myself. I remember staying up all night long writing papers, right? Pushed, pushed, pushed. Now, when I go to do things, I, I start working on them the moment that I assign it to myself because I'm, for the most part, my own boss. I still have some clients that I do social media and public relations and leadership trainings for, and certainly they have their own timeline I'm working with. But as soon as something gets assigned, I start it because I'm a much better editor than I am a writer. I'm much better at getting the, the first incarnation, the first draft of something is not going to be as good as it's going to be after the second, third, fourth read, fourth edit. You're more than likely similar to this. 
And you might be busting out some A's on papers, but I can assure you that your ability to get your point across and to be even more dynamic and fluid with your um, presentation of the knowledge will really start to implant itself at a deeper level whenever you start to start things earlier than the night before they're due. (laughs) Again, I'm not going to try to bend your arm on this. You're going to do whatever you do, but certainly there's an opportunity to reflect upon the way that you study and the way that you prepare in school has something that is going to become a habit. And this is how you're going to work for the rest of your life, unless you actionably step back and evaluate the habits you've created for yourself and then seek to shift them to a more desirable way to feel while you're doing something or um, the reward you get at the end, right? I remember reading this quote by Elon Musk talking about, if you give yourself 30 days to clean your house, then it'll take you 30 days to clean your house. If you give yourself three hours, to clean your house, it'll take you three hours. And this works the same thing with your goals and ambitions in life. And he's very, very, very spot on with his idea of how the mind interprets the perceived time allotted for something versus the amount of time it intends to spend upon something. There's a really great TED Talk that discusses the uh, instant gratification monkey uh, go to t- go on go- on YouTube, type in TED Talk, Instant Gratification Monkey. It'll pop up. It'll be the first thing that pops up. It's awesome. This guy talks about how life goals, like starting your own business, becoming a PhD, um, setting up for your retirement, how you're really the only one who needs these things in your life. Other people aren't necessarily standing there waiting to eat if you don't get your PhD. Right. If you get your PhD, by that point you have an undergrad and a master's, certainly you could have a job. So some people might take 15 years to complete their PhD. Other people attach a meaningful purpose to it. And they say, I want to get this PhD done because this is the work I want to do afterwards. So the people who attach a purpose, a meaning to something, are more likely to get it done um, in a shorter time frame. And because of this, you have to start asking yourself, where are you attaching purpose and meaning to the way you study, to the way you do your school work? Because it's, it's real easy to make deadlines when the teacher's like, well, if you don't get this paper in by Tuesday at noon, you're going to get an F. It's real easy to um, take out the garbage so that your housemates don't get mad at you um, because they're, you, know, you know if you don't take out the garbage by Monday morning and the garbage man comes, now you've got a whole week where you've got this full garbage can and nowhere to put all your new garbage. So it's easy to make those tasks happen at a certain time because there's a, an immediate deadline. But what if there isn't a deadline? What if there isn't an actual time when something has to be done? So now you find yourself with this huge time frame you know, it, the test isn't for a month. The, the paper's not due for three months. So I'll worry about it later. But then you get a week away and you finally crack open the the syllabus and to see what you need to be doing for this school paper. And you realize that it's going to take you weeks of preparation and you need 10 interviews and you need all of this research and you've just given yourself five days. And oh, by the way, you have to work full time at your serving job. Now, all of a sudden, you're not prepared for it. Your your class study flow is going to be so integral to your overall feelings of how well you're doing in school. 
I say you want to be mindful of the of the different shifts that are happening from high school into college and the different shifts that are happening from college into the real world. And I use real world with air quotes loosely because college and the real world are becoming so intertwined now with internships and, and, and everybody needing a job to afford to even go to school that you're often living a real life at the same time that you're enjoying your college experience. So you might be staying up way later in college than you ever thought you would when you were in high school and actually needing to do things. Right now, do you want to be working on a paper at three in the morning, or would you have preferred to have had a better morning routine? And so, 30 minutes a day for two months, you were sitting down in the morning and you were going over your paper, you were studying a little bit for your exam. So, now whenever the exam or the paper show up, all of a sudden you're super duper prepared. Look at opportunities to start to slide in micro tasks around bigger projects and you won't have to feel like you're you know you're under the gun three days before it's due you want to give yourself these windows in the class schedule to go over your notes and to socialize between classes give yourself a little bit of downtime right i I remember i would be like no i'm on campus i want to have class after class after class after class because that's how it was in high school and my goodness gracious that's how i want to do it in college well, that lasted all of one semester, and I realized that, you know, first of all, not all the classes were in the same building, so now I've got 15 minutes in between classes, but I've got to walk, you know, 4,000 steps across the, you know, campus in order to get to the next class. I mean, you know, that's 30-minute walk. I mean, if you're at University of Florida, you could absolutely have classes that are 30 minutes apart. Do I have time to get in my car? Do I have time to walk? Do I have time to get to catch the bus? Is that, you know, do I even really want to feel that rushed? All right. Or do I manipulate my schedule so that it works for me, not against me? All right. Remember, the brain needs a chance to decompress from one class to another. It needs some sort of shift. It needs a pattern interrupt. So whenever you start to build your class and, and your, your class flow, ask yourself, where is there an opportunity to have an hour? So you could walk gently across campus. You can get to class early. You can open up your notes from the previous class, peruse over them to make sure you could lock in any more knowledge, right? Then maybe you take a couple deep breaths. You go outside. You walk around. You come back in. Now you open up the notes for the class you're getting ready to take. You review them a little bit, and now you're ready to go. Whatever works for you works for you, but you are you consciously thinking about this? Because if you're not, then you're just letting your unconscious habits dictate how you behave. And they will often be looking for the path of least resistance. And the path of least resistance may not be the path to the highest success. Right? Missing a day, missed habit in, in a flow, one day does not build a habit or break a habit. But multiple days miss begin to reverse habits. It's the same thing with your morning routine. It's the same thing when we start to talk about your, uh, you know, going to the gym and things like all these other topics coming up and all the topics we've talked about before, right? You could go to the gym 66 days in a row, but then if you say, well, okay, cool, it's a habit now. And then you just, you say, well, it's always a habit. I did it for 66 days in a row. It's always instilled. Uh, I'm just not going to go to the gym for the next three weeks. First of all, you're probably going to notice some very conscious pushback on not going to the gym because it is a habit. But two, you don't go to the gym for three weeks. You're going to have done some serious damage to that instilled habit. Some of the best 
habits I've had in the past. When I was a bartender, I thought, oh, man, look at all these drinks I can make. I don't remember any of those recipes now, any of them. I didn't really remember them all that well when I was a bartender. I would have, you know, if I made that drink multiple times, then it would just become muscle memory. It'd become a habit. But I wasn't one of those people who like went off and learned 150 drinks. I really was not interested in learning all of that. I was like, you know what? Muscle memory, habit, it'll, t- it'll take over. But am I going to memorize 75 drinks on the TGI Friday's menu? I had no interest in doing that at all. Okay, that, that somebody might order that drink once every three weeks. I do not, I'm not going to store that information in my head when I'm trying to also remember the best lighting and angles for newspaper photography. Like I had to prioritize. Now, your brain's going to work however your brain works. But I, I say that and give that little story because if you start to form a habit, right, and then you miss a few days, it's going to take a little bit of willpower and a little bit of discipline to kick that habit back in. But muscle memory and habit will take over. So if you work out really good for a couple months and then school takes over, you have a family issue, you got to leave campus. Now all of a sudden you're not on campus. So all your muscle memory habits around getting up and going to the gym are being interrupted because you're back home and you're taking care of some family needs. right. So you miss the gym for 10 days. When you go back that first time to campus and you go walk into that gym, it's going to feel a little off. You're going to have something inside your body that just doesn't feel right with what it is you're experiencing in that moment because it's been that long since you've experienced it. But that's fine. Know that going in, right? I know if I miss the gym for a couple weeks because of whatever circumstances, that those first couple days back in the gym, I just call them all around days. And I just go in and I just lift some weights, hit each muscle group with one or two activity, nothing too heavy, nothing too taxing, just, you know, uh, light weights, heavy volume to just get my, to just get the body back into it, back into the flow. And after a couple days of that, it's like, okay, I've warmed myself up. Now I'm ready to get into it. And then boom, I'm right back into my three to five day week, uh, three to five day per week habit of going to the gym. And now I'm back into the jump roping and the abs and all of the other little habits that were built around me going to the gym. And if I got to travel for work, that's fine. I'll, I've got some apps on my phone. I'll knock out a quick 15 minutes on Beachbody.com. I'll knock out a quick ab routine on AthleanX. The next ne- next week's episode is going to be on physical activity. And I talk about it a lot. Not because, again, that I'm a meathead. Got to pump the iron. I'm telling you, your physical body. Your physical state dictates so much about your emotions. It dictates so much about the thoughts you have about yourself. And if you're sitting there and your your belly doesn't feel great, you're feeling a little bloated, you're feeling a little out of shape, and you sit there and day after day after day after day, you're studying, you're studying, you're studying, you're working on your papers, and you're ignoring your physical body, it's going to take a toll. You're going to start feeling low energy, your brain won't be firing as fast, and your grades will suffer. I understand some of y'all out there are getting straight A's and your body is are not in shape, so you definitely don't believe me. That's fine. You have your own experience of life. But over a prolonged period of time, a lack of physical activity is going to begin to cost you. It's super easy to bounce back from things when you're 18 and 20 and 22 and 25. And if you're only looking that nearsighted, I'm really surprised you're even in school. 
Because when you're in college, you're thinking about your 30s. You're thinking about your 40s and your 50s. There's a part of you that says, this is the career I want to achieve the life I want. And at the same time, you're doing all this stuff for your mind to prepare you to have this career, to have this lifestyle that you've desired. And yet you're not working on your temple. Your temple is your body. So when you think about how much time you're studying and how much time you're writing papers and you're doing all this stuff for your mind, and again, I'm going to leave this, I'm going to park this in the lot for now because we'll bring it up next week for the physical body show, but your mind and your body are very much intertwined. So if you're sitting there for hours on end studying and you're not getting up and you're not getting some level of activity, you're actually going to start to notice how your, your brain starts to fall off. You start to lose concentration. This is where the Pomodoro technique is super handy. You can Google it, P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O, Pomodoro. I think there might be an A somewhere in there, but P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O will get you pretty close to it. And uh, Pama, maybe it's P-O-M-A, doesn't matter. P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O, P-O-M-A-D-O-R-O. Let's see how many times I can do that. Then I'm going to start throwing bingo was his name at the end of it. (laughs) Because... Pomodoro technique. You can find it. It's out there. And it says that study for like 25 minutes, work on a task for 25 to 45 minutes, and then get up and get some level of physical activity for five minutes, 15 minutes in order to get the blood pumping and get you going again. All right. Like right now I'm pacing back and forth in my office as I record these podcast because this movement, this body activity, it helps my voice fluctuate, helps me emphasize key words. It gets me hyped and into it. Right now I'm pushing my arms out. There's a reason I do this. This physical body movement actually helps my mind stay focused on the show. So Pomodoro technique is a great way of making sure that you get up every 25, 30, 45 minutes and get a little bit of movement in your body. So as your school term paper begins and your course schedule is set, develop and plan for blocks of study time in your typical week. Blocks ideally are around these 50 minutes, but perhaps you become, you know, maybe you get restless at 30 minutes. So you, you want to do it differently, but get that stuff in your Google calendar. Right, set aside a block. So then when you leave class and you're like, oh man, that was a good day. What should I do? And then your phone goes off and tells you, you, you know, in 30 minutes, you have to start a 50 minute study block. Okay, great. Let me run over to the quad, grab myself a quick bite to eat, and then I'll go find myself a place where I can sit down and study for 50 minutes and commit to not picking up your phone, commit to not answering text messages, commit to not opening up another tab on your laptop and going over and, and checking out ESPN.com. Commit to the 50 minutes. And when the 50 minutes is done, you can close up your book and you can go do the next thing. But you know you've put 100% into studying. So when you're off doing the next thing, you're not thinking about how you should have been studying more. Oh, I should be studying more. Why? You just got 50 minutes in. That's what you planned for. That's what you did. Now go and meet your friends. Now go to work. Now go home and play some video games. You've earned it. Right, some difficult material in your school year may require more frequent breaks. So shorten your study blocks if necessary, but don't forget to return to the task at hand. Going back to the Pomodoro technique, one of the reasons it's so effective for people to get into the habit of these of these you know little sprint study sessions, little sprint work sessions, is because 
after the 25 minutes is up, you get five minute break or 30 minutes is up. You get a five minute break. 45 minutes is up. You get a 15 minute break. It's not meant to stare at your phone. It's meant to go outside and get some steps or do something physical or go in and clean the dishes, something that gets your mind off of it. Allow there to be a pattern interrupt. And then you go back and you sit down and you, you know, read back over the last paragraph or two that you just read and in your mind will, will slide right back into the task. This is where uh, it's a sidebar. People think multitasking is a thing. It's not a thing. It's called task switching. Even a computer, and this is where multitasking originally was invented, the term, because people talked about how a computer can handle multiple tasks at once. It cannot. It task switches. So it might, you know, you might think, well, my computer is simultaneously, um, you know, uh, decompressing a video out of Final Cut Pro, and now I'm over here on the internet. So my computer is currently multitasking. Well, those are two different programs, and your computer is just crunching the little numbers, but it's actually switching back and forth from the tasks. So it's decompressing the one thing, which is what the software is doing. But the computer is just, it's, it's on the internet. It's just the software for Final Cut Pro isn't even on my computer. It's on the internet. So the internet window is doing that thing. The other internet window is doing another thing, but there's two different servers. So my computer isn't actually multitasking, right? The operating system isn't even multitasking because it's two completely different windows. You can't have two websites open on the same tab. It doesn't work that way. The computer isn't actually multitasking. When the computer is utilizing any CPU power at all, all it's doing is task switching. Right? It's, it's utilizing CPU power to have the operating system up. It's utilizing CPU power to have the internet, um, you know, uh, what do they call that uh, operating system, you know, iOS or Microsoft or whatever, it, whatever server you're on, it's, it's running that. But it's not actually like multitasking the way you think it would. Like it's not juggling at the same time. It's walking forward and chewing gum and rubbing its belly. Like the computers don't do that. Right, and I've read. I I went and did the whole rabbit hole on this, and that's why I'm going to leave it on here for a moment. Is that a lot of people think that they can multitask? Like, look at me, I can multitask. I can be, you know, checking an email at the same time I can be texting my friend. You're not doing those at the same time, right? Now, if you have two laptops side by side, and somehow your left hand is typing out a text, and your right hand is typing out an email, and you're literally doing those things both hands at the same time, congratulations, you just blew up my entire point of this little sidebar because you are doing the two tasks at once, according to some. <laughs> when I dove deep into this, what they said is that your brain's actually just switching from, t from, t from typing to typing and that there's muscle memory involved. I'm going to leave this little diatribe in, in, off to the side now. Understand that you are not multitasking, you are task switching. And when you task switch like that, it takes a bit of time for your mind to get back into the thing you've just switched back to. Not to mention, it takes some time for you to release the thing that you had previously been doing. So if you're bouncing back and forth from an email to a text message, there's a very good chance over a prolonged period of time, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, that you're going to make some errors in the email or you're going to make some errors in the text messaging. You're going to have to reread over everything and you're going to have to make sure. And again, if that's how you want to do things, that's great. Somebody's trying to text you and at the same time you're trying to write an email, then that's what you're choosing to do. Just understand that you're task switching, not multitasking. Right? It's, and 
I say all this, and the reason I brought up that sidebar was one of the reasons the Pomodoro technique is so effective is that it is very much about not task switching. That for these 25 minutes, these 45 minutes, this is what you're studying. This is what you're focused on. Because, and again, the technique discusses how it takes about five or 10 minutes to get yourself motivated back into what it is you're currently doing, which is one of the reasons I do 45 minute long Pomodoro sessions and not 25 because if it really takes your brain five minutes or so to get up in there now you're doing a 25 minute session now five minutes of that has just been spent warming yourself back up 20 minutes at a time isn't enough for me to feel ideally like i i did what i was supposed to do again you do it your way i'm just simply telling you my experience you might be reading a book where 20 minute sessions is the perfect amount of time to finish a chapter great get up walk around, get some water, come back, and jump right back into the next chapter. Right? Difficult material is going to take different levels of concentration, so be aware of that. And you may not have any experience in, you know, Calc 300-level classes or Psychology 400-level classes, so you may not even understand what the um, kind of commitment you're going to need when you move forward on some of this stuff. So just be gentle with yourself for that first week or so and allow your mind and your body to figure that out. It's like when you go to the gym, you haven't been there in a while. You're like, well, I used to be able to do, you know, 80 pound dumbbell chest. And now all of a sudden I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. I wouldn't just go grab the 80 pound dumbbells. I'd grab the sixties and work my way back up and make sure that the strength is still there. So I don't injure myself. Be mindful of that with your brain too. You're not going to injure yourself if you try to sit down and study a 400-level class for, you know, 25-minute sessions. That's not what I'm proposing here. I'm simply saying you may not understand the parameters, the limitations you're going to have around how much of this you can absorb until you've actually sat down, learned some stuff, seen how well you apply it, see how well you remember it, and then you evaluate from there. Remember, it's learn, apply, evaluate, and loop it. Right, And then last but not least, I'll get you out of here on this, is you want to make sure that you're prioritizing your assignments. Right, Understand that you know if a paper is not due for a month and a test is in a week, then you're probably looking to focus on the test. So understand how to prioritize your assignments by sitting down with all of your syllabuses, putting all the major due dates into your calendar, and then coming up with a plan. And then putting into your schedule, study for 30 minutes here, work on this paper here for an hour, and really sit down and put that all into your Google Calendar, knowing that you'll have a lot of flexibility with it, but you won't even know what to flex if it's not down. A lot of people are afraid about putting things in their calendar. It's like, oh, once it's in the calendar, it has to be done. I release you from that kind of thinking. Once it's in the calendar, that just lets you know that it can be done. Certain things have to get done. I get it. But studying for a test or working on a paper, those are things that you might be able to move to another time during the day. But you won't know to even move them if they're not even in the calendar to begin with. Think about a dedicated workspace. Do you have a dedicated study space in your apartment? Are your roommates loud? So now you need to go to the library. Do you have a dedicated study space there? Do you have a certain area that you like to go get yourself sat at? Because it's around other people or it's around nobody. But think about where it is you can study. At Weimar Hall at University of Florida, there would be classrooms that would just naturally be unlocked until they closed the entire building down at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. 
So I would just go into the empty classrooms and then just sit there and that's where I'd get my studying done because no one was going to come into that classroom. So then I had the entire class to myself and I just get to sit there, no kind of external um, distractions and it was just me and my books. All right, go and do weekly reviews. Weekly reviews of, of your calendar, or weekly reviews of the things that you moved. Weekly, you know, if you go on Google Calendars and you shift something for that day, it gives you the option to change the event just right then. The All the events from then into the future are all the events, meaning even the ones that have already passed. So just change the, you know, if you're moving a study time, just shift it for that event only. And then at the end, you can review and say, oh, okay, well, I normally did this at one. This week I did it at four because of this reason. Should it always be at four or is it okay to still be at one? Be doing these weekly reviews because then you can allow you to see where there are some inefficiencies. Oh, well, look, I studied for this and then I went off and I walked around the quad for 30 minutes and I came back and studied this. I could have just done them back to back or I did these two things back to back and I was super tired um, for the second session. I should have given myself a 30 minute walk around break. All right. Just think about getting something done. That Chinese adage of the longest journey starting with a single step, it has a couple meanings. First, you have to launch something. You have to start that first step. But second, by starting, you may realize there are some things you have not even planned for in the process. A plan, plans, planning is priceless, plans are worthless. And whenever I say that, it's like you want to have a plan. Planning is priceless because then you have something to be flexible and deviate from. Right, so this is why it's important to plan. Understanding that the plan will need to be flexible. Right? And last but not least, identify resources to help you guys. Tutors, friends who are really good at something, talking to the teachers, their their office hours, go to your student success center, get yourself a tutor, somebody who's super helpful, who will make sure that you get good grades. There are a ton of resources on campus. I honestly believe that there is a part of school that graduating just proves to people that you can set a long-term commitment and see it through to completion and that you understand how to utilize resources at your disposal. I remember somebody and me getting into a very deep conversation about that at the Hotel Roosevelt one time. They were a guest and they were I was telling them about this podcast and we got into a conversation about how college really truly is this, yes, you're learning things for the future, but most jobs will teach you things as well. And by no means have you learned everything because the world's changing so fast. There's new information coming out all the time. But college really proves to people that you can set a long-term goal and see it to completion and that you understand how to utilize the resources that are at your disposal. And there are a ton of resources at your disposal on a college campus when it comes to getting good grades. Your student success center exists. Go find it and ask for help before you are so desperate for help that even they can't seemingly get you back on track. The best time to eat is before you're hungry, and the best time to drink is before you're thirsty. The best time to go ask for help is before you actually desperately need it. All right, my friends, be awesome, be amazing. As always, the power of positive energy, release and flow, inclusivity over exclusivity. Remember, your schedule for the semester is built each and every day upon the back of your habits. And what works for you one semester may not necessarily work for you perfectly the next semester. 
But the more you're in it, the more you're building yourself schedules and you're being fluid with it, the more you'll have the ability to flex from what you thought you'd be doing to what you will actually be doing. And it's in that flexibility that you really start to step into your real true self. That's what I'm talking about, y'all. Adulting 101. It's not adhering to the plan with a fixed mindset. It's building the plan with a growth mindset. See you next week. Bye-bye. 